during the design phase, it's very easy to exclusively gather engineers and economics to wrap up the design, define the business case and raise the capital, etc. But the thing is that competence in fish welfare, biology, biosecurity, production, sustainability, all of these are needed in the very beginning. Welcome to RAS Talk, the podcast on recirculating aquaculture systems and sustainable food production. Brought to you by RASTAC Magazine, the premier publication for recirculating aquaculture systems professionals. This episode is sponsored by OxyGuard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Hello again, listeners. My name is Jean Coden, and I'm the editor of Hatchery International and RASTAC Magazine. We are kicking off the new year with a new co-host today. So it is my pleasure to welcome Justin Henry. He is an aquaculture consultant with more than 30 years of aquaculture experience. He has built his first RAS farm 25 years ago in 1998. And since then, he has worked for a number of aquaculture companies, including Greek Seafood BC, Habitat Life, and West Coast Salmon. He now owns his own consultancy firm as well, Henry Aquaculture Consult, and he is an aquaculture business director and lecturer at the University of British Columbia. Welcome, Justin. I'm so happy to have you. Thanks, Jean, for inviting me uh, to come aboard. I'm really excited to be uh, part of the podcast here. Yes, I have a new partner in crime, guys. That's right. <laughs> so today is a great day to bring you onto the show because um, we're talking to you, a fish welfare expert in RAS, and amongst your amazing list of experiences, you're also a registered professional biologist. So from a biology perspective, um, what did you think of our guest today? Well, I think it was a really good idea for Viking Aqua to bring Borghild on board. Uh, at the beginning here, because fish uh, welfare is so important in developing a system and, and in, in aquaculture. I've been involved in lots of aquaculture projects, and often there isn't enough focus on fish welfare, and you can really see that in the results in the production uh, of the fish. Uh, and and people often don't uh, realize how important uh, fish welfare is. So it was a really interesting uh, show today. No, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even Borkhild herself kind of mentioned what the misconceptions might be or what people ask her all the time, what her role is when there's no fish in the tanks yet. And it was really interesting for her to be able to kind of share what her role has been in these early stages for the project. So um, without further ado, um, I want to introduce you guys to our guest today, Borkhild Hillestad the Director of Fish Welfare for Viking Aqua. The company is marketing itself as a next-generation RAS facility, which she mentions in the episode as well. This company is hoping to build a 33,000-ton facility to raise Atlantic salmon on land in Sheepavika, an hour north of Bergen, Norway, on its west coast. So we've got lots to talk about today, so I hope you enjoy the RAS Talk podcast with Borghild Hillestad. Hello, Borkhild. Thank you so much for coming to our show and on our first episode of the new year. And um, thank you for um, for having me. Can we start <laughs> with an introduction of your background and how you came to Viking Aqua? So uh, I work there as a fish welfare director, uh, and Viking Aqua it's a Norwegian startup company. 
my background is a PhD in breeding and genetics and an executive MBA in strategic management. And, and before joining Viking Aqua, I used to lead the breeding program for Atlantic Salmon at, as a, a genetics manager of Benchmark Genetics and also Salmon Breed. So this is where I got introduced to the aquaculture industry and I truly got hooked. <laughs> uh, it was a it wasn't really given uh, that uh, that I would start in that uh, industry at all because uh, I grew up on a farm with pigs and cattle. Uh, and today I actually run that farm also together with my husband, where we produce free range pigs and, and also recently ventured into vine grape production for Norwegian sparkling wine. Uh, oh, that's amazing. But, yeah, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's two lives, uh, essentially. Um, but the reason why I started to work for I Viking Aqua was due to my art of career improvement and and also to challenge myself and learn something new. So I had been for uh, uh, working as a genetics manager for many years and I needed new challenges. So I I was one of those that just applied for the position and I was so lucky to get it. So <laughs> I think that's super interesting because not only are you, you know, an academic with amazing qualifications to be the director of fish welfare, but you're also a true blue farmer. Um, that's so cool. Both blue and green, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, can you please describe to our listeners what your role is as director of fish welfare? Like, what does that mean? How long have you held this position? Well, as I said, Viking Aqua is a startup. Uh, so uh, they started in 2017. And I started working there in 2021. So I haven't been there for very long and uh, neither has the rest of my colleagues either. Uh, so we are quite a few uh, colleagues working in this company. The aim for this company is essentially to build a land-based uh, rats facility in Gulen municipality in north of Bergen. Uh, and here we have a license to produce 33,000 metric tons of Atlantic salmon. Um, so that is, uh, that is the plot. Uh, and then... Uh, Generally, right now we are um, we have just finished the detailed engineering phase, which means that we don't have one single fish. So, <laughs> so uh, um, you can can say that as okay. So you don't have any fish yet. Uh, so why why should you work there as a fish welfare director? Um, but in general, I, I'm there as part of the director's group. Uh, I operate and develop the company and they do, do strategic planning, work on contracts and negotiations. And then, of course, I will always oversee uh, the fish welfare. So no matter what stage we are in, uh, the fish welfare will always be, be there. Uh, so, for instance, uh, for the last two years, I have been very much committed to uh, the concept phase and the detail engineering phase where we are detailing in uh, the fish welfare into the design of this facility that we want to construct. Uh, and then I'll, in general, they do a little bit of everything. I'm for instance, uh, leading some of our R&D. Uh, I have been in charge of the ESG report, uh, been leading teams and being responsible for uh, uh, the operational preparedness of the facilities. Uh, so when you're a little company like that, you have to do a little bit of all. Um, and then uh, the role that I'm having now will probably change from one stage to the next. Uh, so 
till now I've been ensuring the fish welfare and the design uh, of the facility, uh, make sure that the fish will thrive and stay healthy and grow well and have a nice life from ova to termination. And on the other hand, in during the next phase that we're going into now, which will be a capital raising, I have to do other things. Uh, so anything from getting information ready for the data room to talking and presenting to leads, representing Viking Aqua at different events, uh, doing literature research, or even analyzing our own data for the fish welfare index. So there's, it's quite a variety, I think. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I'm not sure if you can justify me as uh, solely the uh, fish welfare director, but, uh, but at least uh, I have I have fish welfare very much in mind in everything I do here. Wow. It sounds like there's never a dull moment at Viking Aqua for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) Um, Have you been a part of a RAS project like this before? And when I say that, I kind of wanted to get a sense of what has been the process like for you and has there been any part of the process that has been unexpected or has been interesting for you? Uh, well, not to do th- to this extent, really. Uh, I have been partly involved in uh, uh, planning and constructing of a land-based broadfish facility in the northern part of Norway, but that was just partly Ross, uh, and my role there was circling around the production plan as part of the breeding program, so it was a very minor, uh, minor thing. So Ross is, has not really been... Uh, um, been my expertise and uh, not designing it either so this is quite a new area to me at, at least it was a few years ago uh, I was uh, solely the biologist and the geneticist and then with an addition on strategic management so that was uh, quite a leap going from uh, from uh, the genetics to uh, to a farmer perspective hello Borghil thank you again for talking with us today I'd like to ask you about some of the technical details of the project. Can you give the listeners an overview of the system and the RAS technology that you've used in your design? Yeah, I can uh, I can try. <laughs> right now, uh, what we're constructing is a building uh, that is uh, 325 meters long and 80 meters wide. In total, we are talking 33, no, 32,500 square meters. Uh, it's um, it's module based with one RAS per tank, and each room uh, or each uh, tank rooms 2,000 uh, cubic, uh, where the diameter is 18 meter of the tank and the depth is uh, six meters. So one module is. Uh, then one tank and a RAS, and then we have uh, a blockwise construction. Uh, so each block consists of eight modules, and each block of eight, as we call it, is also one biosecurity zone. So in total, for this facility, we plan for 48 tanks, and uh, that is essentially going to uh, be able to produce 20,000 metric tons of fish. So this is the first construction phase that we are are now planning. And uh, our goal is to have clear water and high water quality. And we believe that that is key to achieve a good animal welfare and also a very good profitable production. 
That sounds like a really interesting uh, system there. Are you designing that uh, in-house or do you have a RAS technology provider with whom you're working? What we decided when we started this project was, was that we uh, we didn't want to just build another RAS facility. We wanted to build the next generation RAS facility. And in order to do that, you need to be innovative and, and think new. And so therefore, we didn't choose just one provider to and give them that task to uh, to to this provider to do the entire thing alone because that is too much to ask we think uh, so what we did was to commit uh, partnerships with different companies uh, so for our case we have uh, aqua biotech group and they serve as a ROS vendor and they are in charge of the ROS design of course but also the biology and then we, together with them, we also signed a, an agreement with Framo, and they are our pump vendor, but they're also in charge of the water flow and the sludge collection. And then we have uh, Overhalla Betongbyg, uh, who are responsible for uh, the tank walls and the prefabricated uh, concrete. So we chose those companies because they seem to want to build the next gen RAS just as much as we do. And they all have committed to skin in the game and are willing to work as a team across companies. Uh, so for instance, uh, for Aqua Biotech Group, we, we chose those uh, because of their biology knowledge and also their extremely high focus on R&D. So the four of us, we've worked uh, interdisciplinary uh, through the concept phase. And then when we got finished that phase, more uh, suppliers and partners started to come along. So for instance, we have dynamic fish eye for control system and data collection. We have headland silo system delivering the feeding system, MMC first process handling our fish transport. And then we have Bakke Bergen, which is our general contractor responsible for building the site, uh, building the, uh, uh, the whole building and site coordination. And then we have Mana from NG Group, uh, who are responsible for sludge treatment. Uh, and then also uh, Biofish, who are responsible for testing and validating technical solutions from our design uh, and ensure sustainable aquaculture and optimal fish welfare. So it's all in all, they just came in company by company. They were included into agile teams and together we all designed this together. So we have a, have a agile working style through the entire stage from the concept phase to the detail engineering stage. And we worked through uh, cross, uh, the cross companies step-by-step step to, to get the best, for instance, fish transport system or the best uh, water flow or the best uh, fish transport. Uh, so so it's, um, it, it was quite a, a journey to be able to work like that. There are many, many companies that are not used to work in an agile working style like that, uh, but it, uh, it really came out as a very good product. This way we managed to detect uh, risks and errors at an early stage and adjust accordingly when we have this holistic site on a project. That sounds like a really uh, smart approach uh, to have these uh, different groups, all the different pieces of the puzzle uh, working together 
through the design phase, uh, I think it's a really smart uh, way to go. Yeah, I think so. As, as long as you get uh, the people to, to join you. Uh, because of course people really like to work in the way the way they used to work and if they are presented for something new that can be problematic of course uh, but uh, I think they have all been very open-minded and uh, and really uh, tried and you see that the first couple of weeks when you try this working style it's not that easy but then you start to get the, the hang of it and it really speeds up the process I think. Can you tell us at what stage you are in the project and what the timeline is moving forward uh, that you hope to have your first eggs enter the facility? Uh, well, it's quite exciting times just now. Um, I usually say that we are about to jump uh, right now. Uh, so in, in, in a project like this, there are different steps uh, and uh, in Norway, uh, first you have to submit the consumption application and that can take years before you get it approved. And then you start uh, start working on the concept and then the detailed engineering phase. And when the, the detailed engineering phase is done, what you have to do is to uh, submit a uh, uh, an application, a frame application to the municipality in order to be allowed to build. Uh, so we have come that far that we have submitted that application, uh, waiting for that one to be uh, processed. Uh, so currently we are just now preparing the capital raising process. Uh, and uh, to be able to start constructing, uh, we will need uh, about 4.45 billion NOC, which is approximately 412 million US dollar. This is what we need to start constructing the first building. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot of money, at least in Norwegian terms. <laughs> uh, so right now we are jumping and we are, uh, uh, we need to get in the capital to, to get started. Uh, so when it comes to the land, we uh, are leveling it and it's uh, been leveled for, uh, for at least two years now. It is uh, quite, a, quite an area, so they have been going on for long. And if everything goes as planned, we can start construction, constructing the building in uh, Q3 in 24. And... Uh, we will start uh, with a grow-out facility. So we will not start with the nursery. Uh, and in this grow-out facility, we will, uh, we will start with smolts at uh, 129 grams. And the first smolt can, can come into that office, that, uh, that facility in uh, Q325. And then we plan the first harvest at the end of Q326. Of course, if everything goes as planned. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, approach and and really um, I think can cut down on the on the timeline uh, when you start with smolt. Was that the intention or what are the reasons that you will plan to start with smolt instead of with egg? Um, well, for me as a fish welfare director, it was a hard choice <laughs> because when it comes to biosecurity, that is... Uh, 
something that you are a bit uh, worried about to, to start with a smalt production and have to buy external smalt uh, to get it into the facility. Um, but uh, it is a give and take. And uh, in order to make it feasible economically uh, and uh, be able to construct it at all, uh, we had to start with the grow out uh, and, uh, and get some income so that we can keep going with the rest. So that was the main reason. And we have taken our precautions when it comes to biosecurity for the incoming uh, smolts. Uh, so we have a block of eight uh, where uh, all fish incoming smolt will be reared uh, for 16 weeks. Uh, and that is in order for us to detect uh, all possible pathogens or diseases that these fish might bring in uh, and, and, not, uh, and not be able for them to, to spread it out in the facility. So uh, we know the risk that uh, there might be a possibility that these, uh, these fish have bring something into the facility that we do not want. Um, but then also uh, we will take our precautions with uh, multiple testing, just both before and uh, during uh, uh, their first months here at uh, our facility. So that is that is the plot, and also when we have uh, one ROS per tank, we are able to to restrict the spread of uh, potential diseases. That is the reason behind uh, uh, behind this the grow out facility and being the first one coming up. All right, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, it sounds uh, like a a good uh, trade off, and uh, really good to have. Uh, you on board to be able to focus on that uh, biosecurity uh, required for that. Orgil, you mentioned about the location of the site a little bit north of Bergen. Could you give us an idea about uh, that location? What made that site uh, ideal for your farm? Uh, you know, is it the water or the power or the access or sort of what are the factors um, that helped you choose that location? Well, I said that the uh, Viking Aqua started in 2017, but uh, the truth is that the, the project started way for, before that. And uh, one of our founders and uh, main owners, Stein Inge Larsen, he, uh, he grew up uh, with fish farming. And what he saw was uh, how diseases affected the fish in the sea. And he experienced this downside of sea-based production firsthand. And uh, his granddad once told him, maybe after one of these disease outbreaks, that uh, the fish needed to come onto land. And that became Stein Inge's dream. So in 2008, uh, this land in Shipavika, uh, where we plan to build, became available. And it was a great land for a potential land-based fish facility. It was close to uh, the fjord, the Fensfjorden. It had uh, solid quays and it had access to fresh water from the mountains. So all in all, the needed check marks ticked in for an optimal place to construct a land-based uh, fish farm. Um, so it was regulated as an industry area and uh, has been used as an aggregate plant since 2010. And in 
2015, Stein Inge met with the Billund Aquaculture and Willy Roger Jakobsen, who is now a co-founder and owner of Viking Aqua. Uh, Willy Roger was also looking for uh, land-based fish farming and uh, he had uh, Billund Aquaculture to help him find the optimal spot. And after viewing this site in Sipavika, uh, the two of them started Viking, uh, the Viking Aqua project together. So in generally, as time passes by, we, we see that we have, we have a really good location for this purpose. It's not, uh, not least because of the infrastructure in place, access to suppliers, feed, well boats, etc. But also, uh, but also because of the synergy of expertise necessary to industrialize land-based production. Thank you so much, Borgild, for sharing a lot of all those details of um, Viking Aqua. Um, I'm sure our listeners would be really interested about kind of getting a fuller picture of the project that you and your team are working on. Um, I wanted to go back to your title as fish welfare director and you alluded to it in the beginning where um questions might be asked about you know what does a bush a fish welfare director what is the role that they play in the early plans of a project like this especially in the designing and planning can you talk a little bit about that and sort of how your role and how your title and representing that fish welfare piece of the system has been important in those in these early days discussions <laughs> it's a brilliant question because everyone asks uh, why uh, why I work as a fish welfare director and when I don't have one single fish in the company. So <laughs> <laughs> it is a very good question, but actually it is very important also. And um, animal fish welfare it needs to come in as an important strategy from the very beginning, uh, because it's so easy to think about elements like biology, biosecurity, production, sustainability, all of those as secondary elements. It's just like if uh, these competences is not needed before you actually have the fish in the tanks. But you have to think about the planning. So during the design phase, it's very easy to exclusively gather engineers and economics to wrap up the design, define the business case and raise the capital, etc. But the thing is that competence in fish welfare, biology, biosecurity and all this I mentioned, production, sustainability, all of these are needed in the very beginning because that way the design will include these areas and you can eliminate risks. You can produce fish with higher animal welfare uh, and uh, better biosecurity than without these competence in-house. So I would say that it is a very important uh, role to have in such a company and such a project early on. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes sense to me. In your experience, how often does that, the fish welfare, the biology side, um, get overlooked in early design planning? Have you seen that in your experience? It's uh, always a risk that that comes uh, comes secondhand because it's uh, mm. it's not the the money. Well, the money talks quite often, uh, and uh, uh, it is economists that are sitting there. They uh, they know what uh, they they want the capex per kilo fish, 
produce annually. They want everything, all the costs down. For instance, uh, when you go through a, a detailed engineering phase, you get the first CapEx estimate. And then you see that, okay, so this got way too expensive. We need to tone it down. And then you take things down nudge by nudge. And it's so easy to just let that, uh, let the fish welfare suffer from it. So having people uh, with biology and uh, animal welfare interest there is important to make sure that, uh, uh, that there is a good balance between economy and welfare. I think that that uh, does describe many projects where you get to your preliminary design and, and your first CapEx and people go, holy moly, that's higher than we hoped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it is time to uh, scale back. Yeah. I think that a lot of uh, projects uh, miss uh, many pieces of the puzzle during the design phase. And for sure, fish uh, welfare is is often one of them. Uh, so I think that uh, that's uh, really positive that you have that focus uh, right from day one. And it makes it uh, much easier to implement once you actually have a project uh, if you've already considered everything in the design rather than trying to uh, fit in all of your wish fish welfare concepts uh, after you've designed or or even after you've built it. It's not given that we have remembered all of it, but at least uh, there it's a higher <laughs> higher probability that we have. So it's a <laughs> Uh, so I think yeah, I think it's a good idea that the, those people are also included from the project start. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the interesting parts that um, I I think is interesting about this project and your role in in Viking Aqua is the Viking Aqua Fish Welfare Index. I found this on the website, and um, can you tell us a little bit about it and why this is important? Well, this is one of my babies, I guess. <laughs> so. Uh, we know that we have a set of uh, animal welfare indicators that we can measure. You can measure uh, uh, swimming behavior, uh, temperature, oxygen levels. You have all sorts of things, right? Uh, and then you have different uh, levels on the, where it should be for to have a, a good animal welfare. Uh, at least that is what they claim. But the fact is that they don't really know that much about fish welfare. Uh, so... And we also know that there are some parameters that are affecting other parameters. So what is exactly the best optimum uh, level for the certain fish batch at the certain tank? That is something that, uh, that uh, we wanted to, to work on. So that, that is why we're currently working to develop a fish welfare index uh, to, to just ensure the best possible conditions for the fish in their facility. Um, so for this index, we plan to use these uh, uh, fish welfare uh, parameters, uh, both direct and indirect indicators, uh, and that way assess fish welfare. The direct indicators, they observe the fish's condition and behavior, while the indirect indicators, they monitor the environmental conditions. And what we want to do is to combine these parameters into one AI uh, index. So we can analyze fish behavior, control water quality, and optimize feeding by employing AI 
camera surveillance, robotic uh, sensor technology. Uh, this these uh, tools that and equipment that we we have gotten the last uh, last uh, ten years, and the goal is to find the sweet spot for the fish welfare that particular uh, that is uh, that is the best for this particular batch at, in that particular tank, and uh, this way with ideal fish welfare, if that is something that you can say, uh, we can enhance uh, production performance, growth, and reduce diseases, stress, mortality, deformities, and early maturation. So all in all, if we, if we manage to pull this off, we will have a better welfare in, in our facility and a way better production and happier fish, not to mention. That's a great uh, initiative. And is that something that uh, once you've developed that, uh, that you would just use internally or something that uh, others in the industry might uh, be able to use as well? Yeah, well, in general, we are quite transparent. So if we produce something that is successful, we are willing to share because we're not interested in keeping things to ourselves. If there's one thing that the uh, land-based uh, fish production needs, and especially ras production. I think it is uh, it is uh, the fact that we succeed. And uh, if if this is a success, we sh shall certainly share it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was going to ask you about how big data plays a role in fish welfare, uh, and I think that uh, it probably has a big component in this fish welfare index. Uh, that you're describing. Yeah, and and we are, as I said earlier, we are testing it also. So we have this facility named Biofish uh, in Hardanger, where we are currently collecting uh, data points for this fish welfare index. So uh, we have, so far, we have collected over 1 billion data points. Uh, and uh, this is something that we soon can dig into and start uh, including into the index, um, so so it will be very exciting to see see how uh, how we manage to do to do this. Of course, big data plays a crucial role in fish welfare uh, in large aquaculture facilities, and and that by providing robust data foundation that enables effective use of AI. And we probably have all seen these uh, uh, big data where you end up with just a mess because you can't really handle it or you don't handle it efficiently. So, of course, that uh, we need to know how to use the data uh, and that uh, that will be the key for, for having a good index also. Well, carrying on with that thread about uh, fish welfare, and also one of the partners that you mentioned had joined in the project uh, for designing systems to transport the fish. Can you give us an idea of how you'll be moving fish between large grow-out tanks and what are the fish welfare implications when moving fish from tank to tank? Yeah, we have uh, initiated a collaboration with MMC First Process. So they are uh, in the lead uh, on the fish transport um, project that we're having here. And uh, what we are planning to use is the reed pump uh, that they are providing, which is a very gentle way of moving fish. 
but of course, a, a challenge here is that we also have uh, quite long distances with uh, uh, where we have to transport fish. So what we are then planning is to to uh, to have two rid pumps uh, to to increase the effect. Uh, also, something that uh, we can think about is the production plan and uh, how many gradings we are having. Uh, what we have in our production plan so far is that we try to move them as little as we can. So we are either splitting a tank or we are grading it, but uh, uh, only when we have to. Uh, so, so that is also plan one of the plan around the, around the transport. So I'm not sure if that answered the question completely, but then it's uh, still an ongoing process with the MMC first process, and uh, I think it's uh, it's coming together with with good solutions. And but of course there is uh, it's quite uh, some challenge when you're talking uh, over 300 meters and even longer also if we're going to transport the fish to the slaughterhouse. And will that processing facility be on site, or will you move them somewhere else? Yeah, that is the plan. Uh, so uh, we have a uh, processing facility under uh, progress. It's uh, still in the design phase, but uh, we uh, we aim for that as well. So that will be very interesting when we get uh, get a little longer in that process. Orca, what do you think is the biggest challenge coming up for you at this stage of the project? Is it biological in terms of production or genetics or is it technical in terms of uh, refining the design or is it the financial side for the capital raise? Well, right now, because I think that we actually do have a design that uh, take care of the biology in a very good way. So I wouldn't say that that is the biggest problem any longer. But right now, uh, I would say raising money uh, for this huge project is quite a challenge. And also there are so many projects out there, many startups that wants to do similar things, uh, which means that we need to tell our story uh, so that uh, also the investors understand and see how great this concept is. So I guess uh, uh, I think that capital raising is uh, is the biggest challenge right now, especially since uh, it's a large, large amount. What do you say to investors to give them confidence that your project will address some of the big challenges that uh, we've seen with other large projects uh, to prevent mortality events that others have had? Well, usually the first I ask is what's in it for me. So, <laughs> so then they, we need to come with, uh, give them the numbers uh, on what we have estimated. Then also when it comes to the design, we show them uh, what we had because actually we did the concept phase twice. The first time we were not uh, very happy with the concept and ended up uh, rewinding and do the entire thing one more time. Uh, and what we do now is to compare, uh, for instance, when with energy efficiency, with footprint, uh, with uh, yeah, uh, with the H2S traps, for instance. Um, so we see that with a new design, we have eliminated uh, H2S traps. We have reduced the energy need with 40%. We have increased the biosecurity with one ROS per tank instead of one ROS per six tanks. Uh, so, so this is what we're trying to show. Uh, and then 
giving them the story that uh, why why we started on doing this and and why we think it's important and uh, and uh, also that uh, this is actually a very sustainable way of producing fish. I don't say that uh, we should stop producing fish in sea because I don't think that we should, but I think that we also need the land-based production. I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you what you're most looking forward to, but um, I don't know, is it once the fish come into the tanks? <laughs> Oh, that will be a nice day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that will um, be truly something. But then, it's um, it's a long way ahead, and we also need to grasp those uh, other moments. That is also a victory. For instance, when we can start constructing, uh, that would be quite quite something. It's just a very fun journey to be part of the, the whole project. And we thank you for sharing that journey with us, or a little bit of the insight with us. Um, we wish you the best of luck and we wish the project the best of luck. Um, hopefully, maybe f further into the future, once you do kind of break ground, maybe we can ask you back. Uh, what do you think, Justin? Yeah, great idea. Thanks a lot, Borg Hill. That's a, been a really interesting discussion and uh, wish you all the best and look forward to hearing about how it progresses. Well, thank you. And uh, you're welcome to come and visit one day if you ever come to Norway. <laughs> oh I'll my gosh. I'll take you up on that. I, I... Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. All right, that was the first episode of our year. Um, I think the biggest thing for me about this episode that was that it still truly boggles my mind, I think, on how many different factors you have to think through and predict and anticipate before you even turn the system on. There's just so many things and a lot of money is at stake in these projects. And I don't know, I think there's a lot of pressure on the team to be able to kind of think through every decision at that early stage. And this conversation with Borghild was a reminder for me for that. Um, yeah. What did you think? I thought it was really interesting, Jean. There are quite a few projects out there uh, now and you need a good team uh, to start with, to have someone specifically on board for uh, fish welfare, uh, I think is a really good plan and makes it a lot easier moving forward to have all of those fish welfare and biosecurity considerations implemented into the project. Yeah, absolutely. And I say this in the episode as well. Um, what really stood out to me about her role was the fact that she authored a fish welfare index for this project. And I know that you've had experience with as an OIE member um, ad hoc group on the aquatic animal biosecurity. So I wanted to get your perspective on that based on your own experience and your own expertise. Yeah, I like the fish welfare index. I think companies do something uh, in order to evaluate their fish welfare, but often it isn't this dialed in as the the plan uh, that they're going to do at Viking Aqua. So really, this will consider uh, all different aspects of uh, fish welfare and if they are able to develop this and share it with industry, I think it's a, a big step forward uh, for the RAS industry. Yeah, absolutely. Just the very idea of having a frame of reference can be a game changer for sure. Borghild talked about the stage that they're at in the project, and there are uh, a variety of companies at this stage looking for uh, construction financing. 
they seem to have a pretty good uh, grasp of their design and what their capex will be. The capex is a reasonable number. It's on the lower end of, of what we've seen recently, uh, but it seems uh, doable. So it's really good to have that when you go out to investors. Another thing that I liked about what Borghiel said about the investors is that they have some clear messaging on what they're going to do to prevent some of the problems that we've seen with other large projects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's important because all of these projects, as much as they have so many factors and so many things going on within their own project, I think my intention with this podcast is to kind of invite these different RAS projects so that you know, you can share knowledge and you can share experiences in this way. And hopefully we continue to learn from each other from this industry and high tides raise all boats. So if one project succeeds, so do all of the rest of the industry as well. And I'm so happy to have you here as a co-host because um, I've been trying to do it solo for a bit. <laughs> And I really do appreciate that insight that you would have and Brian had as well for uh, for the industry that I don't normally have. So hopefully we'll have more great episodes in the future for us both. And for our listeners, uh, we have extra links to articles, photos, videos, and other media related to this episode and all of our episodes available on our website at rastechmagazine.com slash podcast. That's R-A-S-T-E-C-H magazine.com slash podcast. Please consider sharing this episode with your network and on social media and follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a new episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, OxyGuard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Thanks, Justin. I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot, Jean. And I'm happy to come on board. And I hope that this uh, high tide is going to uh, bring some successful projects uh, in the new year. Yes, absolutely. See you next time, everyone.